Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. Welcome to season three of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season three is brought to you by Chargebee. Chargebee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize the growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. All right, here we are. We're live, except not actually live. Uh, with Kevin Marasco, you are the CMO at Zenefits. Very excited for this conversation. Hey, Elias. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't know this yet, but I'm actually about to send a bunch of hot wings to your desk. And while we have this conversation, you're just going to have to progressively eat now. <laughs> we were talking before the show and uh, I hadn't heard of the show Hot Ones, which apparently is hysterical where the guests eat hot things as the interview happens. So inside joke that everybody now knows. I have to, I have uh, to say, that was a compliment. I was like, hey, you know, your interview style reminds me of it. It's like, I think one of my favorite interviews is, is the guy from Hot Ones. It's like smooth, but casual and, and asks really good questions. So it's it's uh, definitely meant, meant as a compliment. And it is a pretty funny show. I'll take it, man. I appreciate it. I just need to find a way to work eating into my podcast. It's, it's a brilliant <laughs> like move. That. Brilliant move. Well, listen, I, I think this is going to be a really fun conversation, especially because Zenefits has been on such an interesting journey. And I know that you've been there helping navigate this. I mean, you guys were freemium and then you went to SaaS and now you're talking about PLG. So I would love to maybe start with anchoring when you came into the business, what was that high level challenge and opportunity that you saw? And then just take us through some of those key highlights and some of the lowlights and just what that journey has been like to date. Yeah, it's it really interesting. Um, you know, the company was founded with one business model that was really clever. Um, it was it was an online insurance broker. Um, and, you know, the product, they built a, a really great product, you know, a lightweight HR platform that was given away for free. And with that, the company made money off the, you know, insurance, the brokerage commission and really disrupted the legacy, you know, insurance broker model, really clever, came with a, you know, a lot of upside, really rapid growth, but, but also downstream some challenges um, when it terms, excuse me, when it comes to scaling the business model, you know, benefits tends to have higher churn. Um, the margins aren't as great. And, um, and along the way we realized, Hey, we have built this amazing technology and that's what customers really love was the technology side. And so we made the decision to start to pivot away from being a freemium charging for the software, like a traditional SaaS company. And then ultimately we decided, Hey, like being an insurance broker is really hard. 
requires a lot of resources. And then we don't see that it's the best business model due to the churn and impact on margins and, and having to, you know, we're having to hire thousands of people just to, to service the book of insurance business. And we thought, hey, we're better off focusing on being a technology company. And that was that was really the shift. And so at that point, we got out of being an insurance broker and effectively, you know, divested and exited the insurance business and just focused on building, you know, a clean SaaS company. And um, so it's really interesting, right, from a go-to-market, because you go from having this like freemium go-to-market model to the traditional SaaS for in a high velocity, high volume SMB uh, market. And um, and then over time, you know, you know, challenges come with that, and so it's so it's it's almost like two different businesses, and that that's I think both the challenge and the, and the unique opportunity. So, how did you? I mean, how did you begin to approach that challenge? Like, what when you first you're looking at the you know they they pitch you on coming into the business, you're like, this is going to be a tremendous opportunity. Obviously, a lot to wrap your arms around as you're thinking about making that shift. So, what were some of your first kind of north star priorities? Really understanding like what. But like the desired outcome of this new business and the pivot. Okay, what does success look like in this new model? Like if we're going from here to here, okay, what is what unit economics are we going after? What's possible? And then it's all the usual. So most like like a new company again, like who's our ideal customer profile? Are we sure? What's the right go-to-market motion for these customers? And you know, we serve 30 million small businesses. So you really have to do a lot of work on that. You can't just target all of them. Um, and uh, so really, it's it's kind of like a blank sheet of paper in terms of rethinking everything, who we target, how we target them, what the right go-to-market motion is. Um, and then and then the product footprint too, and how we're layering that in. You know, we have we have a pretty broad footprint across benefits, HR, payroll, et cetera, and figure out how to prioritize that, you know, in, in this market segment. And um, so, so yeah, so it's, it's almost like you kind of got to rethink, you know, everything and, and including your value pop. Because, you know, if you're selling to someone and you're giving away the product, it's a little bit easier to say, hey, here's our free product, just take it. No, it's different when you're having to sell value, right? And so that, that you have to really integrate that into to everything you do. And so at what point was, at what point did you say like, hey, we, you know, we, sh- we have an opportunity to leverage PLG motions here now that we're now that we've established ourselves and reinvented ourselves as a SaaS business that's doing really well. What were what was the aha moment that there was an opportunity for a PLG motion? It was interesting. We almost were leaning in this opposite direction because of our history, right? With the the freemium. And then we we entered, we basically encountered a new challenge. And that was, hey, we have this mar- massive market. And I started listening to sales calls where I'd hear a sales rep do a demo to a one employee company and then set up a follow-up demo and another follow-up demo. I'm just in, a, in my brain is just, I can hear the cat calculator going <laughs> crazy. Right. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, we, this is no, we can't have people touching every one of these touch points. There has to be a better, more automated way. And that's really where we turned to PLG to automate all that. And it started with down market. And so we started, we said, Hey, we looked at how much time our SDRs and AEs were spending at certain cohorts and then we said, hey, we're going to start with routing sub five employee companies into this PLG motion. Once we get the conversion rate higher than humans, we'll start to route more. And so that's what we, and we started, you know, 5% of traffic in this cohort, then 10, then 20, then 50, eventually 100. And then as we saw it improving effectiveness, then we raised the ceiling. We went up to 10 employees and then to 25. And now, we're, you know, we continue to, to increase this, trying to automate the work that really the manual repetitive work that we know we can do better not just faster, not just cheaper, but actually better through through technology. And that was really the charter and challenge for PLG 
uh, and, and still is to this day to continue to raise that ceiling and, and provide a more personalized and better buying experience. Yeah, it's really fun to watch how all the companies are, are navigating the space. Like some are, are PLG native, if you want to call it that, where they, that's, that's their origin story. And then others are making this shift after the fact and trying to understand like, is this a is this a lever for automation in our funnel? Is this a lever for you know giving away some sort of commoditized value that our competitors don't to get them into the top of our funnel and then drip them to the you know sales assist motion type of thing? So it's it's fascinating to hear how you guys have approached that. Yeah, it's neat. And there's so many people tend to think of like the just the kind of mid funnel, like, hey, is this a free trial? Is this a freemium? But there's so many broader applications of PLG, in my opinion. You know, it can be used for you know post-purchase, like so many opportunities is one of the areas we're focused on now, you know, for expansion, lifecycle marketing, for improved retention, customer activation, of course. Um, you know, a couple of areas we've tried to use it is super top of funnel. We, you know, a few years ago, we were paying for 85% of our leads and um, we started, we stood up an organic marketing strategy. We built a media site and all that. And now over most of our leads are organic for free. And, and one of the tools we connected in there was this, this idea of taking what, what I call product snacks so we took a product that we're not going to give away for free, but can we take like one little bit of functionality that delivers value that users are looking for and they're searching for? And can we pull that up funnel forward so that someone searches for something, we deliver some value in this product snack, and then, then it basically slides them into, you know, the next stage in, in the process. And that could be a trial or, you know, next step of a, of a buying experience. And so in that case, we used it as a lever to reduce CAC. Um, to drive more organic volume, less about just like a conversion tool. But there's so many neat applications. I think we tend to think kind of more myopically, but there's all these unique opportunities to use it, you know, full life cycle. I love the, uh, I love the term product snack. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a thing that took off internally. Like we, you know, it's kind of like, hey, we can't, we're not going to give away the full product, right? Like we used to, because we kind of had this like thing in our heads from coming from premium. We're like, Hey, what if we just sliced off like an appetizer and get call it products? Is that? And, then, and then it's kind of gotten more viral. Now we have product snacks, we have content snacks. So when we take like super premium content and chunk out a piece of it for free. And so we have content snacks and, and uh, product snacks, you can kind of use the two, two together. So it's, it's, um, oh man, Pretty that's, that's going to become a thing from here on out. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I was chatting with this company the other day and advising them, they were asking questions about like, okay, we need to really get DG going in a big way. And they were describing their, their current mix and they had something like 63% of their business comes from referrals. And they're like, yeah, we haven't really built anything into the product yet to drive that. It's just happening. And, you know, but we really want to focus on top of funnel demand gen. <laughs> I was like, man, wait, hold on a second. We we're like, you haven't done anything in the product to encourage that 63%. Like that, forget about demand gen for a sec. Like that is where you need to focus. That's your, that's your DG opportunity right there, at least priority number one. So it's, it's cool to see how marketing and product and sales are playing more universally together to achieve these high level business outcomes rather than being siloed and just chasing independent like marketing metrics, sales metrics, product metrics. Totally. Lance. I love that example too. Like where I see that so much, you know, I, I do some advisory work with some um, venture portfolios and stuff. And I see the same thing where there's like a pocket of gold and, and people are looking right past it. Like this, you know, like you say, like we're getting that percentage of people through referral. Let's just focus on that before going and burning money, you know, spending money. Right. And yeah. that happens. So, you know, so, so, so often where people are trying to like turn on a new channel before, hold on, you, there's something really, here to the, the, you know that you can work with, and so I think that's important is to really kind of dissect that and and understand. That's like, like the our in, in the case of like our product snack. Like one of the things we saw was this trend in our funnel 
what we're, what we're looking for trigger events where what, what's what triggered someone to, to um, you know, invoke some level of intent or action. And we saw people were searching for, they weren't searching for benefits, shopping, you know, or, or payroll software, or even HR software. And we, we have like these three buyer personas. We realized, Hey, we have these accidental HR people. They're an office manager that got promoted said, Hey, you're doing good with managing the people. Congrats. And now you have HR. <laughs> and, and, and so they're searching for terms like, Hey, how do I do this? And in one case, they were searching for my you know, employee handbook. And we didn't know that. Like, and we were like, Oh, wow. We help build those like in an automated way. So we'll, we turn that into a product snack where now if you Google employee handbook, you know, if it's, you know, should be one of the top couple Google organic results. And then we built a snack out of that. Right. But we wouldn't have known that if we didn't see that insight, you know, we could have kept just wasting money paying for paid search for that and, and other you know, derivative terms. So it's, it's, it's important to like really dissect what you have and what could be gold that, that might be hidden and you might be overlooking. All right. So before we get on to the second half of this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at Mattermade. For those of you who don't know them, Mattermade helps some of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams. We're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now let's get back to the episode. Totally. So I, that, that's an interesting parlay into you, know, you and I have talked previously about this shift to organic. And I know that this is something that's really top of mind for you. We've mentioned content snacks. So in, in a world that seemingly puts a ton of glory on DG, paid DG, how do you think about the shift to organic and what does it mean to you? I love, you know, and I love, I love DG because it's like, uh, and I love organic. And what I love even more is when you, when they work together. And I think like I walked into a world where, Hey, it was like really heavily paid. Like it was just so weighted. I'm like, Whoa, almost like oddly weighted. Right. We are, you know, high volume. So, but, but I'm like, wait, we should be driving more through organic channels through, you know, all, all organic channels. And um, so, so we, we looked at, we actually use paid, like what some of the stuff that was working, what's converting, what are, what are some of the best assets? What are some of these trigger events um, that invoke intent? And then let's look at what's going on on organic for that. Like, what does the SEO landscape look like? What does the content landscape look like? Um, and, and then also talk to customers. And one of the, I'd say the big sparks in our organic strategy was as we were starting to reverse engineer some of that, we saw, wow, we're not doing much at all on organic. Like we're missing it. Like our competitors are crushing us on SEO. Like our, our, our we don't really have a, a effective content strategy, blog, I can go on and on and on. Uh, referrals was overlooked. But, you know, as we were dissecting that, we also saw there's customers that are looking for certain types of content. And it came back to our ideal customer profile being these, you know, millions of small businesses that don't have huge in our case, teams of HR, payroll, and and benefit specialists, and so they they you know there's a hundred new regulation changes every year. They're just trying to keep up with that, and not to mention new future of work. Like how how do I roll out my first remote work policy? You know, and and so in talking to customers, I just started talking to customers. It was like, hey, is this a problem for you? They're like, this is a massive problem. It's you guys do are great at the technology. I'm looking for a partner, and you guys are pretty good at being a partner. But what helped more is if you provided me with these insights. And ultimately that led to us launching a media site. So we took, you know, we carved off a little bit of our paid spend and said, Hey, let's just launch a, a media site and uh, it's called workus.com. And so we, we, you know, we put together a strategy, we reverse engineered SEO, we launched it and 
you know, within 12, 12 months, we went from zero to half a million visitors a month. And it became, you know, now it's like one of our top channels. But what's neat is then taking some of those insights and what's working on organic, pushing those into paid. And now those are our best DGE assets and, and vice versa. We'll see stuff working on paid and we're like, hey, how can we make derivatives of organic? So I think what's really neat is when you get the power of both, you know, um, you're working, you can get some, you know, a lot of leverage. Yeah, it's amazing when you can validate hypotheses or have the market validate hypotheses before you put a bunch of paid behind it. And you just yeah. already know that it's going to resonate. It's just a matter of getting in front of the right eyeballs. So totally. And you can use paid to like, to your point, like test hypotheses, even for again, before investing a bunch of resources, let's just run a couple <laughs> of experiments, right? Exactly. And, and we're in this world of experimentation, you know, and I love, I think that's one of the byproducts, you know, benefits of, of PLG. It's all about you know, constant experimentation. And really we should be doing that across all the marketing, you know, not just, not just PLG, we should be doing that in paid and organic and, and, and it's, you know, pretty neat because we can iterate so fast nowadays. Well, it's a universal lesson, right? It's like salespeople will test out or SDRs will test out different types of messaging as they're on calls and see what increases their close rates and conversion rates. It's like marketing, same thing for campaigns, product, same things for new features. So it's, it's like, if you get a whole, if you can build a company culture around experimentation and being like, all right, with throwing things at the wall and quit learning quickly and killing the things that don't, don't work and doubling down on the things that do just as a, as a whole company, it creates a certain energy. I love it. That's, that's kind of one thing we've tried to do. We're still, you know, building the muscle. Um, so we're, we're definitely still learning this. Um, but like to get, you know, we'll come up with an idea, even, you know, new packaging, new pricing, a promotion. And rather than just spec it out and go with it, or even market test it, like we'll build a concept. We'll integrate, like use our customer community, our customer advisory board. And like, like we did this two weeks ago, we said, what do you think? That's like, Hey, I think the, you know, people would be willing to pay a little more. So we're getting in the ideation phase feedback directly from customers. And then we can roll it out in our PLG buying motion. Let's just to see how people would react in this, a subset of folks in this cohort using split tests. And then, you know, so by the time we, if we get to roll it out, like company wide, we have data that shows specifically what customers said, what the market said, what conversion rates, how they compare. So we're not, you know, as marketers, we used to go in, you know, hoping or maybe some research study versus now we have like real data. That's pretty powerful. Totally. So shifting gears now, I'm curious, you know, you are the leader of a large organization and this certainly isn't your first big stint like this. Uh, what is it that you do to stay fresh personally so that you're able to show up as your best self for your teams? Oh, that's a great question, Elias. I, um, so I think there's a personal and a, and a professional. I mean, the, on the, on the, yeah, I try to have a growth mindset in everything I do. I mean, I guess, first of all, like um, even going from one marketing gig to another, like, yeah, you get playbooks and, and pages plays, if you will. Um, but they don't necessarily always apply. You know, I think you have to go into a new situation and with a mind wide open and trying to learn, you know, even if you're going from the same one industry to the same, like there's going to be internal things that are different and, and nuances. So I think it's important that we're as, you know, go to market leaders. We'll always have that growth mindset. Um, and honestly, like I think over time, it can be, if you don't, it can actually backfire, right? Like think about, take field marketing, for example, you know, maybe, you know, a few years ago, you're looking for someone who has a bunch of experience in field marketing, doing all these events. If you put that person in today's world, that could like backfire because that might be exactly what you don't want. Um, so there's, you know, it's important that we always evolve and hone our craft. So I'm always trying to network um, listen to shows like, you know, like what you're doing, right. And, and just, you know, learn from, from, um, peers and, and, and challenge each other to like, internally, we do a bunch of, 
um, you know, a bunch of things to push each other, you know, experimentation, you know, we do marketing hackathons, um, you know, all types of stuff to, to continue to push, you know, push the envelope. And then, and then similarly, you know, personal, like I have to, you know, being in the crazy world we're in where everything's just so fast paced and, and, um, you know, hyper growth, if you will, it's, it's, you have to find, like, I have to balance in my source of balance and Zen, if you will, is, is running. And, um, so I do, um, I got into ultra marathons about eight, nine years ago. And so that's just kind of my thing, you know, I'll try to do a couple of those a year, but I'm, you know, run, you know, three or four times a day. And I, I love it. Cause I can, you know, unplug it's healthy, you know, mentally, I think the mental health is probably the biggest piece. It just helps clear your mind, de-stress. I listen to audiobooks and podcasts. So I'm simultaneously like purging out negative energy and stress and then, you know, clearing room for new insight and ideas. And, um, you know, I take, I have a couple of note tools. So if I'm listening to, you know, a show or a book, I'm like, oh yeah, we could be doing this. And so, you know, I'll take notes to myself and, and then share that with the team. And, and um, so, yeah, that's just kind of my, you know, it, I found it helps me a lot. And now I can't, I can't imagine not doing it. So, man, uh, I love that three to four times a day. You're killing it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Three to four times a week. Did I say, day? oh, yeah, yeah. I was oh, like yeah. trying to okay. imagine okay. Yeah, breakfast, yeah. lunch, Shoot. and dinner. <laughs> no, like, I'm not that hardcore. I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> so three, yeah. Let me, yeah. Three to four times a week. Okay. Oh, my okay. Gosh. <laughs> I'm sure it's still a lot because you're doing ultras. So, <laughs> oh, man. Well, I have kids now. So, like, I have to, I take them on Saturdays. So I have like the double Bob strollers. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Put them and just tour, you know, tour the city. You, know, <laughs> you got to get them set up with their own, like whatever, whatever tracking app, Strava account. So yeah. it looks like they're just going on these beast runs with you. <laughs> exactly. It's it's it's. I think my like my five year old was like first five words was Golden Gate Park. Dad, I know where we are. We're running to Golden Gate Park. <laughs> yes, amazing. Those are those are the types of words you want your to be the first. And then last question for you is just like. Who have been some of the folks who have been integral in your career, whether mentors or just even peers that have inspired you along the way? Oh my gosh. Uh, that's a great question. Oh, so many. I think every, like every CEO I've worked with has been amazing. I feel super, super fortunate to have worked with amazing people. And I think with each, you know, I think every opportunity you go into, there's you, you, there's so much to learn, right? And even even if it's a bad situation, like company leader, whatever, you can still learn. Like I've had tough folks I've had to work for or with along the years, but I learned so much um, from them. So I'd say, oh my gosh, I mean, I could build a list of a hundred people, um, but it's, what what I love about it, it's like been you know every like CEO I've learned a ton from, and they've been each so unique, <laughs> you know, versed at different stages from founder to public company CEO, um, and so it's kind of neat to see the different learnings at different stages. Um, and then you know peers uh, of other functions, I've learned just so much from you know peers like what it's like, and I think this is important. Like it's easy to get in a marketing bubble, but understanding what is what is head of product doing? What is head of engineering doing all day, every day? What success look like for them? How can you help them? What, what head of people and, you know, every function I think is important. And finally, you know, my, my teams, and I learned so much from my, my teams, you know, my kind of motto is like, Hey, I, I, my team doesn't work for me. I work for them. I'm trying to break down barriers and, help, you know, and, and provide vision and help and support for, for them. And, and so, um, I've been fortunate to work with just like so many amazing people, you know, over time and to this day. And, and so that, that the, the team really motivates me and that's what gets me fired up every day. Awesome, man. I love it. 
So I realized I just, I didn't answer your question specifically. So I apologize <laughs> for that, but I, I truly got, I got so excited when you had like, Oh my God, we're, now I feel like I need to go build a, build a, like a thank you LinkedIn post. With yeah, right. yeah. Never hurts. Never hurts. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been super fun, Kevin. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to shoot the shit with me and, and talk about all the fun stuff you've been up to over the last couple of years. Awesome, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate the, the you know, uh, hosting and, and uh, keep up the great work with the show. It's awesome, man. <laughs>